Welcome to Que Pasa HSIs, a podcast dedicated to everything Hispanic serving institutions. I'm your host, Dr. Gina Ann Garcia, bringing you the news on what's happening in HSIs. Join us as we explore the history and evolution of HSIs, culturally relevant and liberatory practices, current and emerging research with HSIs, and the policies that shape servingness. Saludos HSI familia and welcome to Que Pasa HSIs. Today we are talking to members of the student advisory equipo at Pasadena City College, including Doctora Desiree Des Zuniga, faculty, faculty counselor and HSI faculty lead for the Title V grant of Diendo Caminos, Enith Reyes, lead resource advocate for Pasadena City College Pride Center and Dream Resource Center and former equipo member, Diego Iniguez, student advisory equipo member and sociocultural anthropology major. Emmanuel Gomez, student advisory equipo member and history, social sciences and humanities major. And Gustavo Sanchez, student advisory equipo member and computer information system major. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have y'all here, a whole group of energy um, and excited to learn about what y'all have been, been doing. So what we're going to talk about is, of course, the equipo. But before we talk about the equipo, I want to just learn a little bit about y'all and make sure our listeners know a little bit more about y'all. So if you could each tell us a little bit about your higher education journey, including how you got to where you are today and or maybe where you're headed to next. Diego, you want to kick us off? Hi, everyone. My name is Diego Iniguez. I am from the San Fernando Valley, California. Um, my eight, I'm sorry. My educational journey started... And uh, after I graduated from Burbank High School, I was initially planned to attend uh, the University of Arizona as a biology major, but I turned down the acceptance due to feeling defeated of the COVID pandemic and lockdown. So I, my backup plan was to attend PCC starting as a biology major. Um, I eventually changed to a biochemistry major and then I joined the student advisory people in March of 2021. Um, I changed my major again to nursing, and then I changed my major one more time it, just recently in May of 2023 uh, to social culture anthropology um, because I felt inspired by the work I had been already doing in Equipo. So why? So I figured why not make it a career where actually I feel excited to do the work and you know learn more about HSIs. So and I could not have done any of it if it wasn't for the support and the guidance of my colega slash consejera, Dr. Desiree Zuniga. Um, my life and my educational journey has been forever changed um, by her influence. And now my plan is to get my associates in social and behavioral sciences and then transfer and get my bachelor's in social cultural anthropology and then uh, receive my master's in educational counseling and continue the work of you know HSIs and wherever I, you know, plan to go after that. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for having me. Um, uh, my name is Gustavo Sanchez. Uh, I graduated from Oscar de la Hoya and Montreal High School back in 2013. Um, I was part of the 3.5 GPA club, which was uh, part of, which is just a club of students who have maintained 3.5 GPA throughout of high school. Um, so I was, you know, kind of like a you know, a good student. Um, as part of the club's goal, we did have to apply to universities in California. Uh, unfortunately, I was denied from every university I applied to at the time. Um, so uh, instead of instead, I decided to uh, start working. Uh, I was bouncing from job to job. 
um, you know, working minimum wage, that kind of stuff, sometimes graveyard shift, uh, whatever kind of was, you know, whatever I had was available at the moment is what I did. Um, it wasn't until the pandemic uh, started where I was laid off from my job at AutoZone. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck now. What do I do? Um, that's when I decided to try again in higher education. This time I applied to PCC, uh, mainly because that's where my best friend was going at the time. So I was like, I'll have someone with me there. Um, that's why I applied to PCC. Um, Current, my current goal as of right now is to transfer with my associates uh, to attend Cal Poly Pomona uh, with a uh, focus in computer information systems. Uh, and hopefully I can eventually uh, start my own business so that I can uh, eventually give back to the community that way. What's up, everyone? My pronouns are she, they. Mi nombre es Enid Reyes Sedano, hija de María y Pablo, hija del sol y la luna, hija del mar y tierra, hija del nopal, hija de maíz, hija de tonatzin. Hija, tía, hermana, prima, sobrina, wife, activist, scholar, educator, y feminista. I identify as a queer Mexicana, proud hija de migrantes, first generation, section eight baby, baby with an IE because I'm from the IE. So I grew up in the empire in a low income community located on Tongvin land. I had to overcome numerous barriers to pursue my academic, personal, and career goals. I faced mainly challenges related to my gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic status. However, these challenges only strengthened my resolve to create a more equitable and inclusive society. I currently attend Cal State LA. I'm receiving my degree in Chicana, Chicano Latinx studies. I currently work at Pasadena City College at the LGBTQ Resource Center and the DOC Resource Center. I get students connected to resources and services on and off campus. Mi testimonio has taught me the importance of repre representation y comunidad. As an aspiring ethnic studies professor, I am comprometida to creating a brighter future for all, regardless of their identity while simultaneously dismantling the interlocking mechanisms of oppression of Black, Indigenous, and people of color, which are firmly rooted in the community, culture, and identities that I am part of. It is my responsibility to commit to social equity by recognizing the importance of centering historically mar marginalized perspectives, experiences, knowledge, and testimonios in hopes of empowering and healing one another to lead to equitable liberation and felicidad. I'm super excited and honored to be here today to sh share space with you all, especially with you, Doctora. Mil gracias again for having us. And pass it over to Emmanuel. Thank you. <clears throat> so um, I, I find my personal academic journey um, interesting, especially because um, I can probably say that I've accomplished one of my goals in post-secondary education. Uh, I'm a certified automotive diesel and industrial technician some of my skills were developed in uh, automotive school and in the work field. I know how to troubleshoot, work well with my hands, uh, and I believe my customer service is exceptional. Um, unfortunately, I, I worked in a heavy duty environment that took a toll on my body. Uh, after undergoing some lower back surgeries, uh, I was advised by my surgeon to, to seek higher ed and ultimately avoid manual labor. Uh, you know, so after navigating the workers' comp system, I ended up opportunity community college, you know, I, I was lost. Uh, prior to automotive training, I attempted PCC in the fall of 2010, but uh, I was unprepared and I lacked guidance. So when I returned, uh, I was starting all over again, but with debt from automotive school and a hold from PCC actually, uh, due to a $66 balance from my first attempt in fall 2010. And uh, this was in the spring of 2017. So it, it was devastating to return, uh, but my options were limited and support was 
truly invisible. Uh, immediately, I was introduced uh, to critical thinking and received new information that made me question uh, my love for history and, and most importantly, my life as an American citizen. Uh, I learned a new perspective that truly shattered what I was taught in K through 12. Uh, and ever since, um, I can say I love IRED. <laughs> That's a little bit about me. Thank you. So my name is Desiree Suniga. Many call me Des. Um, I will say that was a nickname that I had throughout my, you know, childhood, and um, many of my friends call me Des. But more recently, in my higher education, in my role in higher education, I brought my full authentic self, and that includes my nickname. So um, my students call me Des, um, and so uh, many know me as Des. I'm the proud daughter of two Mexicanos who migrated to the United States as children, and I'm also a first generation college student. And while my two older sisters attended college, they too were um, first generation. So it was really challenging for them to guide me as they were learning the process. Um, my higher education journey really started at the end of my senior year. That year I learned I was never tracked to meet the university admission requirements. While all my friends were applying to four-year universities and getting acceptance letters, I was questioning whether I was even college material, and I even started to create this idea that maybe college wasn't for me. Um, at the very end of my senior year, I was awarded a small scholarship of $500 to only be used um, for college purposes, and that really propelled me to move forward and encouraged me to apply to a local community college while the scholarship was small from and was a gesture from the administrators who saw my potential and leadership skills in ASB, for me, this small scholarship really play, played a huge role in my academic journey. Um, and again, it, it propelled me to consider going to college. So I decided to uh, apply to a local community college. Um, and I chose to apply to PCC because I wanted to feel like I was going away uh, to college. So despite the fact that there were local community colleges, I chose the one that was a little further out. Um, while at PCC, it took me six years to earn my associate degree, mainly because I was placed in remedial courses. I was enrolled part time. I needed to work at the time and the lack of guidance and support in exploring majors and careers. Um, so I was undecided. So just like Diego, I, you know, changed majors several times. Um, and I really, I, I like sharing that because I want to normalize that, that that is part of the, you know, academic journey is exploring different majors and careers. Um, and as a first generation I, student, I wasn't aware of my options. Um, while working at a child development center, I, I found interest in education and eventually earned my associate degree in social and behavioral science and then transferred to Cal State Long Beach, where I majored in child development family studies. Uh, while working, um, while at Cal State Long Beach, I was working in the K through 12 system as a you know, teacher's assistant and reflecting on my educational journey and developing a consciousness of the racial inequities in the K through 12 um, to college pipeline. I became interested in going back um, to school, getting my master's and becoming a counselor specifically at a community college. I really wanted to return back to the system that gave me a pathway into higher education. And I wanted to address the inequalities that I personally had experienced and observed through my educational journey. Um, in my quest in becoming an academic counselor, I earned my master's degree in educational counseling at California State Dominguez Hills. 
And full circle, I am now a faculty counselor at the college where uh, my academic journey started. And just recently, I earned my doctorate in educational leadership from USC with my dissertation focused on the testimonios of part-time enrolled Latina students with the focus on their challenges as they transition through HSI, an HSI California Community College. Yes, I love the full circle. I'm gonna bring y'all all back on the show and y'all gonna tell me your same full circle stories, okay? I wanna, I wanna hear it. I wanna hear about, uh, you know, getting all the degrees and, and then doing what your calling is. So, and clearly, I'm gonna call you Dr. Dez. Can I, can I put the doctor in front of it? Okay, Doctora Dez. Yeah, um, I like that, Dr. Dez. <laughs> yeah, you get, the, you get the Dr. Dez, you know, not just Dez. Um, thank you all. Like, I hear your stories and I just wanna say so much. Um, but the reality of our listeners, que pasa HSIs, is people who are at HSIs, I think the important takeaway is that it is hard to serve students. Y'all just told us five different stories. How do you come to serve people with such five different journeys, right? Um, but also the barriers that we put, like Gustavo, for you to say you applied to all these schools and none of them accepted you, I'm like, that's just like a punch to my gut. I, it should be a punch to all of our guts, right? Like what is wrong, right? Like that should not be the, the reason why people don't go on to higher ed. Um, if you don't apply, that's one thing, but if you apply and don't get in, that, that that's us, right? That's the institutions holding us back. Um, or a $66, right, Emmanuel, like, a $66, you know, hold, like, it's just, it's a little tiny thing. So y'all got me thinking a lot, but uh, the big thing is that, that our journeys are all different and they're all valid, right? And so serving this can be so many things. Um, so let's get into that. Let's talk a little bit about how y'all came to know about HSIs, because most students don't really know about Hispanic serving institutions. And y'all are here talking to me as experts about HSIs. So tell me a little bit about your servingness journey or another way stated. Um, how did HSIs even come into your consciousness? So uh, I pursued a career in higher education because of my consciousness of racial inequities in, in, in education. This consciousness was formed through my own lived experience and in seeing a lack of intentional support and servingness for minoritized student populations. However, while I have always had an awareness of racial inequities and have developed a critical conscious lens uh, and have always gravitated towards programs designed to serve minoritized student populations such as TRIO Upward Bound and EOPNS, HSIs did not become a part of my consciousness until I became a tenured faculty counselor. In fact, it was through shared governance and opportunities and collaborating with the larger campus that I start to learn about HSIs. And it's really unfortunate because I actually attended three HSIs, including PCC, Cal State Long Beach, and Cal State Dominguez Hills. Yet at, at the time, as a student, I didn't know these institutions were HSIs, nor was I fully aware of the history of HSIs and the amazing Latin, uh, Latinx leaders and advocates that have made HSIs possible. Um, on the other hand, my HSI servingness journey started four years ago when I was assigned this 50% HSI faculty lead role. At the time, the director of the grant was Dr. Micaela Mares Tomayo, so shout out to her. Um, she welcomed all of the faculty who were gonna be a part of this HSI and assigned us a book. And that book was titled Becoming Hispanic Serving Institution by the amazing host today, Dr. Gina Garcia. And for me, reading this book was like navigating an ethnic studies course. Um, and I, I like this metaphor because 
you know, ethnic studies course often provide a space for validation, mattering, and liberation for students of color. And this HSI book provided words for what I had seen, but could not describe or, or, or say in words. And it made me feel empowered and, and honestly privileged to work under an HSI grant and really helped me and my colegas stay accountable and true to what these grants are, are made for. Love, love, love. Thank you for the story. Gustavo? Um, well, I'll be honest, I didn't know about HSI until I joined the Kipo. Um, It wasn't until I started working with the Kipo that I realized that HSI have so much to offer to Latinx students. Um, since my first day as an Equipo leader, I found new ways to uh, serve Latinx students, um, especially uh, providing them with a positive experience uh, from this from like first contact in most cases. Uh, for example, in the Pathway Center, our first year uh, experience program at PCC, um, I have been using my linguistic capital to connect with students uh, uh, on like a broader scale. Before they would just come in and maybe sit on a computer, uh, but now they would come into the center specifically seeking me because they're like, oh, I know he speaks Spanish and I know we can connect on that level. Um, so that's what I love about working there. And I didn't know that that was part of serving this. Um, another thing that we do is like connect them with resources on campus. So again, I didn't know that was me, you know, helping, you know, um, you know, provide our students with all these resources. Uh, and then one of the major ones that I didn't, it didn't occur to me until most recently is that um, I facilitate a lot of the campus tours. Um, so I didn't know that that's one way that students not only see a friendly face, but they see someone that they can connect with and know that this person is studying here at PCC and there's a community for us here. Um, so that's, um, that's, I find that very, very, you know, interesting that I get to connect with people that way and make sure that they know that PCC is a place where they belong. Um, so my serviness, uh, journey started, um, consciously started on my first day, my first official day of being a member in the equipo. Um, I attended the uh, Abriendo Caminos Title V grant meeting where Doctora Micaela Mares Tamayo was teaching fellow colleagues and I the idea of servingness, um, having capital and you know liberatory outcomes, and how we can apply it to the work that we do here at PCC. Um, and I carry it with me when I represent myself on different spaces on campus, uh, at conferences, outreach events, and uh, more recently. Uh, when working at the first year uh, Pathways First Year Experience Center, um, we would help students with uh, their beginning or even continuing their higher education journey because, um, you know, people who would continue after they've gotten their degrees would come back to PCC and do a few classes and then go on to get their master's, just the certain, you know, prerequisites. Uh, and I think it's very fulfilling to see that, you know, just us being the the Latino Latina Latinx representation in these centers um it speaks volumes to students they see a person that identifies familiar or similarly to their backgrounds they see someone that can speak Spanish help them out in Spanish it's very it's very fulfilling to me to see that because you can see like the the weight get lifted off their shoulders and that's why I love doing what I do and I know that I carry you know, my servingness every time I set foot on campus, or even if I represent myself on behalf of PCC. Beautiful. Thank you. So well stated. Emmanuel, you want to jump in? So um, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I, I realized that I had been raised with a, a single-sided narrative and I lacked critical thinking skills. You know, I, I couldn't fathom how unaware I was about uh, social structures that suppress people of color. Uh, but most importantly, you know, I recognize that my K through 12 teachers were 
either assimilated or or also misinformed when teaching um, humanities and ethnic studies uh, kind of set me free. You know, ironically, I, I was learning about Mexican-American and African-American history while simultaneously enduring police brutality and perjury in my hometown of Pasadena. You know, by this point, I, I'm more than conscious, you know, physically and mentally. Uh, you know, I remember when my community uh, began to advocate for the institutionalization of our formerly incarcerated support program, uh, communities overcoming recidivism through education, or better known as the core program. Uh, we hit up the Board of Trustees meeting via Zoom uh, because our perspectives were missing uh, when decisions were being made, uh, especially when budgets were being allocated. And, you know, it was, it was on and popping from there. You know, I was elected Vice President of Sustainability for Associated Students of Pasadena City College. And um, I also joined a Kipo uh, Student Advisory heading into that summer of 2020. You know, I, I then realized that my mom was part of that minimum 25% of students that made PCC eligible to be recognized as an HSI. Uh, she was taking ESL courses at, at the Skill Center. That's what I grew up knowing it as. But it's Pasadena City College's satellite campus, uh, now called Community Education Center in the east side of Pasadena. Uh, so when I found out that this specific campus in the past was the segregated Mexican school, uh, it just continued to tie things together for me and uh, further um, prove what my new professors were teaching me. Um, and since then, I, I've been extremely involved with operations of PCC, uh, attempting my best for students to be served and listened to for feedback. And, and I don't plan on stopping even when I'm fortunate enough to transfer. You know, the goal is to, I think, to transform community, California community colleges and improve uh, campus climate when students' basic needs are met. So for me, I think with servingness and consciousness, um, it really came to me in different ways. I think initially when I found out about HSIs or anything about, um, for the lack of a better term, Hispanic or Latinx um, serving institutions, it was my during time in uh, Chafee Community College and just different colleges right after high school. I graduated after high school um, in 2010 um, in Fontana. I went to Chafee and uh, Rancho Cucamongo and those campuses, shout out to the IE. Um, so once I heard, I honestly just thought it was like a bunch of Latinx students in, in, in the school. Like that's what I thought I meant. Like, oh, a bunch of Latinx students go here nothing like really per se on how to serve them but when I really started understanding the consciousness and applying it to serving students and my comunidad it was really like starting to change like how you serve and like directly helping specific areas that Latinx students um struggle with and and find barriers so like working with Equipo really brought that awareness and servingness and really gave it a name to it because I felt like servingness was always in my corazón, but to my comunidad and in different ways when I was in the medical field, but didn't have those words to identify that we need help specifically. So with my comunidad and, and the way I serve now, I just kind of aim to work with my students. I work at a resource center for LGBTQ students at uh, Pasadena City College. It used to be an undocumented uh, center as well. So just trying to 
serve and empower each other, not just students, right? Because I feel like it's it's also serving ourselves. And just to interrupt these systems of advantage and systems of oppression to just continue to serve with con todo corazón. Mm, servingness always in your corazón. Like that hits. And I think that speaks to like a lot of like the guests have, on this podcast have said very similar things that like, which for me, right, as a scholar, I'm like, here's this very scholarly theoretical way to think about it. And then people come on the pod and they're like, we just, this is how we are, right? Like we we serve our community because that's what we do, right? Um, and that's that's completely 100% valid, right? That like some of this is just innate. It's just our instincts um, to want to support each other, serve each other, um, to be critically conscious, right? Emmanuel, you talk about that idea of like becoming con just conscious of, of the issues facing our own community, right? And being concerned with that and thinking, how do I, how do I then support? right um the people who are, are are on campus and even beyond in this in this space right now what i think hsi gives us is the opportunity to do it through grant funded programming right which is some of the things that y'all are seeing that we we can um get some additional funding to do it more intentionally or more meaningful or, or even to bed it within the the organizational structure so so thank you all for sharing those those journeys and telling us how you came to know um serving this so let's talk about Pasadena City College, a community college located in Southern California. Emmanuel, first tell us about the HSI work that has been going on at PCC, including when you became an HSI and how many HSI grants y'all have been awarded. So PCC has been um, you know, eligible since 1990, uh, but it, it wasn't recognized until 92, I believe I'm correct. And um, since then, uh, it took eight years to receive the first grant. So in the year 2000, and since then, there has been uh, four grants that that uh, college has received uh, for Title V. And um, there's a Title III grant as well. Um, so since Equipo had been developed, um, you know, through this award from 2019, um, the college overall, aside from us in this group, uh, we recognize the importance uh, of those funds and what can be made with, uh, with whatever's allocated to us um, from the government. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Um, so 1992 is of course the year that HSI actually gets uh, federally, the federal designation actually becomes legitimized. Right? I say the term legitimized because once the federal government says HSIs were a thing. Um, so 1992 is such an important year. Yet when you say that PCC was already ready in 1990, right? That's where it's like uh, PCC is one of those that we would say is more even a historical HSI right by numbers at least <laughs> um not necessarily that that pcc has been serving latinx latine people well um since 1990 or 1992 but since the numbers have actually been there right um but the numbers sort of push right the more the critical mass becomes apparent the more the campus starts to you know sort of respond um which the grants has been the way that i i know um with pcc in particular has responded um so thank you for giving us that but it's important to know right that y'all have been in hsi and doing this work for quite some time actually so Desiree, talk to us about the Student Advisory Equipo and how this initiative aims to promote servingness and practice at PCC. 
Yeah, so as Emmanuel mentioned, the Student Advisory Equipo is funded under the Aprendo Caminos HSI grant, which is PCC's fourth out of five Title V grants since 2000. The Aprendo Caminos HSI Title V grant was awarded, as he mentioned, in the fall of 2019, and we are now reaching the final year of the grant. Um, under this specific grant, I want to make it very clear that there are several activities focused on the Guided Pathways Initiative, which is a particular focus on what we, we focus primarily on the guided entry component. Um, activities under this grant include a gateway course curriculum redesign, um, which is led by my hermana colega, Dr. Cristina Salazar-Romo. Um, and this focuses on working with faculty, teaching gateway courses such as English and math to develop and implement methods of teaching that promote uh, career readiness through a culturally relevant and responsive curriculum and pedagogies. In addition, there are other projects, and I share this because Equipo, I want to make it very clear, Equipo is part of a larger team, right, that has different HSI initiatives. So, um, the other projects include creating a friendly student app that will aim to help students navigate through important steps, such as like registration. As we know, many of our um, Latino students, Latinx uh, students are a first generation. And so we wanted to create some sort of app that will hide, gu help guide them. Um, before I dive into the HSI grant activity that we're here to talk about, I think it's important to also talk a little bit about my assignment. Um, I have a unique assignment. I am a currently a uh, tenured faculty counselor, but I'm also reassigned 50% to do the work I do. Um, I share all of this because as those who are listening, they might wonder, how is this set up, right? And, and how is this um, um, set up within the HSI and then within my role. Um, through my assignment on this grant, I've helped to streamline our guided entry counseling support services so that in turn we can better serve our Latinx students and minoritized student populations. Um, as you know, we can never do work alone. So a special shout out to one of my co uh, colleagues, Philip Lance, who helped redesign our guided entry counseling services at, as we had envisioned, but also in a way that the pandemic forced us to redevelop our services um, to offer different modalities um, to new and uh, first year students. In addition to my lens and work as a counselor at the start of the grant, I was I advocated and implemented the student advisor Kipo. Um, shout out, we keep giving shout outs to Dr. Micaela Mares Tomayo, who really um, supported the work of Equipo. Um, and like I said, in fact, when we started, um, she welcomed us all with the book, Becoming Hispanic Serving Institution. And this book really um, encouraged us to start asking critical questions such as how do we move from being Hispanic enrolling to Hispanic serving? Uh, what do student service um, services look like? Are they student-centered? And one of the missing pieces was we're missing our experts, which are our students. Um, and so uh, that's when we advocated for the student advisory people. We really wanted students to be at the table. We have always had students, um, you know, jumpstart projects, initiatives, um, but it's it's really temporary, right? A quick feedback from a student in a class. Um, often uh, they're recruited from a faculty member, and our concerns were were their responses really authentic? Were they encouraged and inspired to be critical thinkers? And so, um, the idea of the student advisory people was to ensure that we had student leaders at the table of the HSI grant but also that they would be um, 
you know, spread out throughout the campus so that our student voices were heard um, and that they were paid for their their time and their effort. Because unfortunately, a lot of times students are asked to, you know, provide their feedback, but they're not compensated. And the fact that they're not compensated means that who are these students? We're often missing, you know, our, our non-traditional students or post-traditional students who are working and unable to sit at a table for an hour. And so um, that's when we decided to make the student advisory people um, not just temporary, not just to jumpstart an initiative, but to be permanent members. And we do see them as experts and consultants that guide our work and amplify the student voices. Um, as you've seen here, just listening to our students, they're the holders of knowledge. They're the ones that are going through it. You know, I went into higher education because I experience had my own experience but you know I'm far removed you know I'm far removed from although my heart has guided me here and yes I can connect with my students in many many ways I'm still far removed and that's why it's really really important to have the experts and consultants which are students who are actually going through it now and so the mission has evolved and expanded I think initially it was intended to ensure that student voices were at the table of different initiatives, including our HSI grant. Um, but with the pandemic, people needed students' voices, students' voices. So we were invited to different committees and working groups, and it started in 2019. And like I said, this was right at the peak of the pandemic. And so we had five members to begin, and it's just kind of um, expanded ever since. So every year throughout the grant, we have a new cohort, anywhere from um, seven to 10 members, and we've now have had over 20 student leaders that have been a part of the student advisory people. And it's exciting to see folks like Anith, who is now, you know, transferring, has transferred and is doing HSI work in her own, serving this work in her own ways um, at her new institution. One thing I do want to share before our leaders, you know, talk about um, how they make this work because really uh, Equipo is all about our student leaders. And so I'm excited for them to share the work they do. I do wanna highlight, we advocated for other student advisory groups. Um, funded by the HSI grant, we do have our Black and African American um, Student Advisory, which is known as the Black, Black Council. Um, we also just recently ad, um, advocated for a, a, an APIDA, Asian Pacific Islander Disai American Student Advisory Group as well. And uh, we're hoping to collaborate more with them. And so it's been exciting to really, um, you know, this is a, a race project. This was intended to close racial equity. And so um, we are expanding that to other um, populations that are um, large within PCC. Um, like I mentioned, the primary goal of the advisory group is to include students in working groups and committees throughout campus. But as um, equipo was developed, they wanted to do more. They wanted to create um, programming that was culturally relevant. And since then it's expanded beyond just being an advisory group, but it's um, created a space for community, um, culturally relevant programming. And I'm excited for them to share some of the work that they've done um, in, in terms of building a community at PCC. I will say um, 
what I have seen through the student advisory people is that we're beginning to build our own HSI identity at PCC. Um, from, you know, our Somos PCC branding to building community within our students, but it's expanded with our faculty and staff. And um, we're excited to share some of the work that we've been doing. Oh, you said so many things that I'm over here snapping, clapping for. Uh, first of all, the student-centered approach to serving this is like, has been missing, right? I could say pretty confidently um, that HSI has been administrator driven. And part of it is because the grants have have historically driven some of the work, right? Which is why PCC has been very successful at getting the grants. Um, and so to see y'all shift and say like, we really need to center students while also doing that grant work and the administrator work. Like, you have to do that, obviously, that that's part of serving this. But um, to ask students, I used to say, why don't you just ask students? Y'all bring me in to talk about this as a national voice. And I'm happy to talk about serving this, but um, we don't always ask our students like, hey, what does it mean for a camp? What would it look like for a campus to actually serve you? Like what, at what point do you say this campus is serving me? Um, so I love it. I love bringing um, student voice in, um, both current students and former students. Students have gone on to do other things, um, which is always fun too, right? To celebrate those, those successes. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's hear, let's hear what about some of y'all are doing. Um, I mean, on the panel today, we have three current and former members of the HSI uh, Student Advisory Equipo. So let's, let's talk about um, some of the work. Diego, can you tell us a little bit more about like the goals and also you know something des mentioned was like are the idea of paying students like are y'all paid is it voluntary like anyone listening that wants to launch a student equipo on their campus you know give them give them some ideas because people are listening and taking notes right now uh so yeah students are definitely paid and are currently uh enrolled latinx students at pcc um, every year, the Student Advisory Equipo hires new student leaders under the Abriendo Caminos grant. Um, and as Equipo members move forward in their educational journeys, such as transfer, uh, we hire more and new Equipo members to join in on the work that we do. And as Desiree mentioned, there have been five cohorts with more than 20 Latinx student scholars. Um, and while each year we approximately have seven to 10 leaders, there are instances where we pull in other students for their involvement, for their feedback, and they are compensated by way of gift cards. Um, and over time, we have evolved what our mission looks like. You know, um, we didn't really fully have a statement until the third cohort, I believe, which is the 2021 to 2022 academic year. Um, and uh, I'd like to read that just to just so that people know what that what that looks like. Um, and so it's the student advisory equipo is committed to sharing our individual and collective Latino, Latina, Latinx student perspectives of our experiences navigating higher education, specifically at Pasadena City College. We aim not to only be the voice of the Latina, Latino, Latinx community, but to raise the voices of every community. We aim to shed light, shed light on systemic issues that have enabled barriers to student success. We are dedicated to participating in college working groups and slash or committees deemed necessary to enhance diversity, equity, and inclusion in the process of improving guided pathways through servingness. As student ambassadors and leaders at PCC, we will engage with students and harness a supportive community. So coming from that, what we hope to accomplish under the HSI grant and beyond is to create community engagement and a sense of belonging for Latinx students here at PCC. Um, we, to expand our collaborations with staff, faculty, and administrators, and something to keep in mind is that we're always gonna involve 
we find out, you know, new information, you know, as time goes on and people have different ways of how to help students, we will we'll always expand on our partnerships with, you know, different um, programs and centers here at PCC. And so we hope to partner with other race and ethnic focused student advisory groups on campus to create a student coalition that, you know, ultimately pushes the diversity, equity, and inclusion and justice aspect of it. Boom, right there. I wish I heard more of that on campuses. Like the idea of coalition building with other student groups. The HSI um, for people, people shut down because the, of the H, right? It's like Hispanic, right? Like, oh, well, if it's Hispanic, that means nobody else is included. Um, and that's just not true, right? Like you, you said something, uh, Des, about like a racial equity project, right? Like this is a racial equity. I call it a racial equity project all the time. Um, HSI does not mean Hispanic only, right? So I love that y'all are, are thinking coalition building across, across groups. Um, in addition to everything else you said, I was over here again, clapping, snapping um, for all that sort of stuff uh, as you were reading the mission and the goals. So, so thank you for sharing sharing that. Gustavo and Diego, what do students in the uh, student advisory group do on a daily, weekly basis? Uh, well, it really depends on our responsibilities per student. So um, my schedule may not look like the same as Diego's. Uh, um, so it really depends on not only that, but also our availability. Um, but for the most part, our responsibilities vary, like I said, from student to student. But a typical week um, may look something like maybe uh, for sure on Mondays, we have our equipo meetings. Um, that's when we all, all the equipo uh, leaders uh, discuss upcoming events, collaborations, any opportunities that might come up. Uh, we discuss what we might do, maybe discuss any upcoming events and decide on what we, we're going to do for that specific event. Um, typically, our meetings run from two to three hours a week um so again um that way we all um we have plenty of time to you know not only work with their calendars but to also find available time for all students to participate um that's our typical monday meetings um, Tuesday through Thursday um, may differ from student to student. Um, some of us, like myself and Diego, we might be working at the uh, Pathway Center, which is the first year experience uh, center uh, here at PCC, um, where we usually help uh, new students apply to the campus, or we usually, like myself, I'm always usually facilitating the campus tours, which can range from anywhere from small groups from two to three students to uh, big groups from like 60 to 70 students. Um, so it really depends. Um, aside from that, uh, we, another thing we do a lot at the FYE Center, especially get those students to apply to PCC. Um, so many of them might be returning uh, uh, students or uh, people from the workforce that need um, not only new skills, but they want to um, expand their higher education. Uh, that's one, another way that we really help on campus. And then uh, typical Friday to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, again, depends on the events going on, uh, but we might be helping out the outreach department with either off-campus events, uh, either uh, off-campus or cultural events like the Latinx Festival, which was a big one where we did a bunch of promotional stuff for PCC and especially uh, made it known to the community that we are here to serve you guys uh, so that we kind of got input that way, which was not only fun for us, but for, fun for the whole community. Um, but overall, uh, Equipo members work anywhere from about five to 15 hours per week. Uh, and then the extent of our collaboration depends on our availability, uh, but also uh, uh, with any other group that might be uh, available to help us either on or off campus, which is always cool. And then uh, Diego can go ahead and probably give us a little bit more about that. <laughs> so expanding, uh, further expanding on what Gustavo has been mentioning, um, I'm kind of like gonna give the 
the evolutionary lens of what we've been doing as Equipo leaders. Um, and, they, and they've evolved since the start of Equipo. You know, during the peak of COVID, uh, part of our role as the student leaders is that we would uh, virtually attend working groups and communities with other staff, faculty, and administrators. Uh, we would hold our weekly, weekly meetings con nuestro, nuestro equipo and facilitate Zoom events known as our Somos PCC series, um, focused on both educational and community building uh, for both students and staff to attend. You know, why, why limit it to just students? Um, and, you know, as we've made the transition back to campus, we formed partnerships with various departments, you know, such as outreach, pathways first experience, strategic communications and marketing, professional development, and much more to have more Latino, Latina, Latinx student leaders to support these efforts. And we've been fortunate to partner with, cent uh, to be working in centers such as, you know, the Pathways First Experience Center. And we hope to expand our partnerships with other centers uh, such as the Career Center here at PCC. Even though while PCC doesn't have a Latinx student center, um, hopefully one day, you know, fingers crossed, um, having, you know, Latinx identifying leaders in these centers helps to ensure that they're represented, they're seen, they're valued, and our peers have someone that they can connect to and, you know, on a cultural level. So moving forward, we hope to submit more of our framework uh, across our roles here on campus, you know, taking on additional partnerships, centering with Latino, Latinx and Latina students, uh, voices leaders, and creating more resources to better serve our community as a whole. Absolutely. I love all of that. And I also love that y'all have such vision for like where you're going. You're like, here's what we're doing, but like, you know, we we got so much more, right? To to get to get out there. So laying out the the future of what's coming. But with that, let's hear a little bit about um some of the accomplishments. What are what are some things y'all want to celebrate? Anita, I think we haven't heard from you in a little bit. You want to tell us about some of the accomplishments of the equipo? Yeah, yeah. So I was part of the first cohort. Um, that happened with Equipo alongside with Emmanuel. I think we're the only OGs in the house today. But um, I, when first Equipo started, um, it was actually 2019, um, then 2020, in the middle of lockdown. Um, when I first applied, I actually thought that I wasn't even going to probably get the job anymore. I'm like, that's it. We're working from home. Equipo's like not a thing anymore. So in the middle of this pandemic, um, I think it was a very crucial time where a lot of students and groups on campus and clubs were just like seeking different advice and feedback from students on how to reach services and resources on campus. Everything's online. How are we supposed to move these resources to the hands of our students and us? So I think we try to focus on that. And um, some of the committee meetings that we were working with um, helped us create a Latinx resource guide. Uh, we worked with uh, career communities and faculty leads from different working groups. Uh, we did an HSI Abriendo um, Caminos team meetings, uh, PCC Connect Task Force team, um, President's Latino Advisory Committee plaque and professional development. Uh, some of our accomplishments for the first cohort and the second one included the uh, Latinx Data Symposium and we developed the first ever Latinx resource guide at PCC, woo woo. And we hosted a virtual party for it. We had a DJ and everything, con cumbia. It was, it was a lot of fun. We stared each other through the screens, but it was fun. Um, we also developed a branding for the logo. Um, you can see it on my t-shirt and Gustavo Sanchez background. 
um that one when we were, we did a little back and forth a lot we couldn't really figure it out with like the artist we wanted to use a student we wanted to be student focused so we um we did like did a lot of uh, trial and error for our logo but I think it's super cute uh, we also had the opportunity to work with colegas and we did a virtual workshop and interview with Dolores Huerta, Tara Yoso, and a recording with uh, this podcast with Dr. Gina Garcia. <laughs> and then I'll pass it on to Diego to keep it going because we have way more accomplishments than this. <laughs> yeah, so we have so many to list in the last few years alone, but I just want to like emphasize on the, this, these couple of accomplishments. So I personally have been part of four cohorts. Um, I, my, first, my first academic year was the, 20, the end of the 2020 to the 2021 academic year. Um, and in the third cohort uh, during the 2021 to 2022 academic year, well, honestly, like remedying the return to campus, we wanted to create our own booklet guide for safe and relaxing study places on campus for students to do their work and have the necessary resources they have to complete their work, or even just have a space to just relax and, you know, just chill, sit, you know, cause someday, cause even some days like during the summer it's like super hot. Um, so people just want to relax and just get away from the heat. Cause it's the, you know, air conditioning is such a blessing. <laughs> um, but even also, aside from that, we've also created a marketing slogan to, to unify the Latino, Latina, Latinx students, staff, faculty, and admin on here at PCC. And we called it Somos PCC, you know, simple. Um, something that says we are PCC in Spanish, uh, which is now campus-wide. People, we see it everywhere, like since <laughs> we created it. And uh, it's now part of our community framework. So honestly, it's something to be very proud of. And we're not even done there. Um, Gustavo will elaborate even more on top of that. Um, so as part of the fourth and fifth cohort, uh, some of our accomplishments have been to build partnerships with campus and community members, such as the professional development team. But we basically help them, uh, especially during their flex day, which is the personal development day for uh, faculty and staff here at uh, PCC. Um, so we usually help them by not only informing them of what the work that Equipo does, uh, but we also uh, partner with the USC Race and Equity Center that has really helped uh, identify graduates, uh, help us facilitate student focus groups uh, so that not only are they student led, but that uh, they're also student focused. Um, hopefully we get to do more of that in the in the next academic year. Um, we mainly hope that our collaboration is with the Division of Institution and Equity, Diversity and Justice. Um, so fingers, fingers crossed, hopefully we can be a part of those committees so that we can make bigger change, um, not only uh, on, a, on, a, like a, on a bigger scale, hopefully. Yes, you need to be on those committees. I, I love that you can see that, right? That like where the decisions are being made, like you definitely need to, to be in those spaces. So you go make that happen, right, Doctora? <laughs> make sure the student voice is in those important spaces absolutely we're just getting started and one of the things that I wanted to mention is that we do have a few grants uh, one of them that is focused on pedagogical partnerships um, and we hope to collaborate while well, Equipo provides a space to have these student leaders that can make this grant possible basically what it is is a partnership between faculty and students to um, reflect on curriculum making sure that it's culturally relevant and um, you know welcoming to our students and so 
uh, Equipo has really created the space to freedom dream and to mm. go further than the HSI and make this more institutionalized. Um, so yeah, we're excited. Yes, the freedom dreaming. I love it. I also haven't said I love Somos PCC, right? It is, it's super simple, but it's such a powerful statement. Um, and it is kind of like that. They did that at Harvard. Um, some black students uh, did that at Harvard a while back where they were like, we too are Harvard, right? And it's like, we're Harvard too, right? And it's like, yeah, we we are part of this campus, right? So I, I love I love the Somos PCC. So y'all are making this seem really easy. So I always have to ask the flip side is like the challenges that come along with this work because this work is not easy, particularly because colleges and universities be doing what colleges and universities do, which is be complex. Um, so let's hear some of those challenges and how y'all have, have navigated some of that. So Gustavo, you want to start us? Um, yeah, definitely. So one of the biggest, like I say, one of the hardest one for sure is because we're all students. Um, so finding not only are we students, we have life going on. Some of us have uh, other duties, uh, other responsibilities outside, maybe work. Uh, maybe you're taking care of loved ones. Uh, so we all know that life happens. Stuff like always is happening. Um, so that's mainly one of the hardest part is finding the time and availability as students to participating in, to participating in a lot of these uh, committees and working groups, especially on campus. Because at times there are really uh, on like those all times where like people are like not either are you either doing class or they're transitioning during class or it's like right as soon as they have to get to work um so it's really hard to find that time to be in those committees at times i think also a more like expanding on that is just like trying to figure out like everybody's availability just even have our weekly meetings <laughs> um which is because there's going to be 10 of us for this uh upcoming cohort cohort five um but even then like we have to figure out like what that's going to look like who's going to be where you know, and honestly, just try to break the cycle of just having to work around, like, like have, having to work around like times that have been set by the staff and faculty, hoping that we are already available. So hopefully we can break that by just even just finding a common time to agree on when to meet, rather than just agreeing to meet with whatever time that they set up without even, any previous confirmation from us of the students. Oh, yes, that part. Let me tell you a quick story. I was the um, inaugural advisor for the uh, Latinx Student Advi Association here at Pitt, and they would meet at 9 p.m. And they, I didn't go to all the meetings as the faculty advisor, but they would want me to come to some of them, right? And so I'd be like, 9 p.m. it is, you know, like I never complain because I'm like, that's being student centered, right? To say that they knew that that, that 9 p.m. was when students could meet and that room will be full. It would at 9 p.m., right? So I'm like, hey, I'm just the advisor here. Let me go, right? So it's true. It's like, uh, yeah, like we should be where. So in case 9 p.m. is a good time for y'all to meet, you know, I'm going to put it out there. Dr. Dez is going to have to make some 9 p.m. meetings. I'm just saying. <laughs> She's Honestly, like, damn it. <laughs> there was one semester where we could not find a time. And I, I was ready for the 9 p.m. I was like, oh, <laughs> we got to make this happen. Um, but Gina, you know, I never like to speak on behalf of the students, and I'm glad they're sharing their challenges. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I do want to point out through my observation is that these students are not there to just warm up a seat. 
I, and everything we do is very intentional. So it's not intended to, oh, we put one student in a committee or working group, done. Um, really the intention is to reflect with the student, make sure that they feel comfortable, make sure that they're connected to a faculty or staff member that's in that space so that they know they have someone because obviously I can't be in that working group or committee. And so making sure they have someone they can connect with, they feel comfortable. And so that comes with training. We equip them with like the leadership uh, leadership training. We've reached out to USC's Race and Equity Center to provide a very um, racial critical lens for um, putting them in these working groups and committees. So I do want to say um, one of the challenges that they may have not shared today is that um, also reminding them that they belong in these spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually with time, you know, they as they build connection and community with these faculty and staff members, they, they do realize they belong. And in fact, they are truly um, the experts in knowing what our students need because they are living through this um, journey, right, as students. So, Absolutely. Providing them with the knowledge. Well, I'm, I'm going to put it right here, right here on the pod. Y'all heard it. If y'all need me to come in and, and do a session or anything, I'll, I'll reach out. All right. Even if it's 9 p.m. <laughs> I guess I'll log in at Zoom at 9 p.m. <laughs> Emmanuel, did you have any other challenges you wanted to share? Yeah. Um, you know, to further uh, support Gustavo, Diego's, and, and even Desiree's claims, um, you know, our, our availability doesn't get prioritized, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, yes, we get paid, but uh, we sacrifice sometimes uh, some of our other responsibilities uh, simply to ensure that, that our perspective isn't missing. And you know, and some of that fear is that folks are going to make decisions assuming they know what we need. Uh, but I think this is also simple, like these issues, uh, I think, as you've mentioned earlier in the beginning, was you tell folks um, to ask the students. And, you know, these, I think, institutions um, or educational system historically has, has treated people of color as consumers. Uh, but they don't want the feedback to improve their service um, the way that they serve us. And, you know, I, I think it can be a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable as a student when you're being bold and just honest about the issues. And when we bring up race, um, screens turn off. Um, you get more emojis than comments on the chat box uh, and whatnot and that at that point we begin to limit how much we share you know we believe sharing in debt is it's going to provide the details necessary to develop some new approach um and unfortunately you know there's this this term i've heard before in conferences uh you know folks like trauma porn and they want to hear about our experiences. I don't know if it's for sympathy or so they can truly learn, but it comes off as thanks for sharing, you know, but nothing gets done with, with the details that we provide. Um, and I think another issue, a challenge is that, you know, um, we need more jobs on campus and not just jobs like being on advisory boards, but, you know, um, the Lancer Pantry is one place that I worked on campus prior to Equipo, prior to Associate Students, 
prior to being board of, uh, a student trustee and so on, like all these things, uh, the basic needs aren't really catered to students. And I think that's the ultimate uh, challenge is making sure that students' basic needs are met so that we can participate like the students who might not have to worry about anything besides their grades, uh, you know, uh, very privileged students. And um, I think, uh, well, I truly believe that uh, basic needs are our number one challenge uh, because we're studying, some of us live in a county that, you know, if you make a hundred, $100,000 per year as an individual, you consider low income. So what am I? Like, I just came from Honduras and out there, there's so much poverty, but I recognize how privileged I am. And in this structure in the United States, you know, I, if $100,000 a year income is considered low income now, then I, I really don't know uh, where I stand. I mean, I know, <laughs> but, and the IRS knows, but, you know, um, that's the biggest challenge, making sure that we have our basic needs met and that our availability is prioritized. And as you all mentioned, you know, I'm down for a 9 p.m. meeting. Some of this work, you have to bust overnighters, I believe. But, you know, um, for each their own. All I got to say to that is, oof, you've just dropped a lot, right? Like, there's a lot to unpack in, in all of that, but you've just dropped a lot of truth. Um, that we need to deal with, right? We need to grapple with. And the reality is you're right. This is These are overnighters. These are long conversations. These are more than one day, more than one training, right? We think that we're gonna solve some of our biggest um, social issues with like a training. And it's like, it's, it's not a training, right? This is long-term um, systemic. Y'all have used the term systemic, right? This is long-term systemic sort of change. Um, so, so thank you all for sharing those, those challenges because that's real, right? That we make progress and we have successes, but also we have to acknowledge that this work is challenging. Um, I was going to bring Anitin back in to tell us a little bit about your the ways you've learned about how colleges and universities work. I like to hear how when students start working uh, with, you know, and are doing uh, work with colleges and universities, then how you start to see how like the sausage is made, right? For the lack of a better term, right? Like <laughs> what are some of the things you've learned, right? About working in colleges and universities from doing this work? Yeah, so after working with the people, I landed a job for a resource center for LGBTQ students and, and on doc. And I think just working um, directly as an hourly worker with marginalized queer Latinx or and on doc students just made me aware of various things, you know, something that I think it's negative is that in, in the like just community college or just academic world is politically heavy. And I'm not talking about like outside um, like political views and yes, those come into hand too, but I'm talking about just within each other and within the systems and that has its own politics where people just are focused on climbing the ladder and just getting that bag and they're not like, student focus and of course not everyone's like that you know we have beams of light Desiree Zuniga really shows her student focus social justice lens and I think just working um, now within the system and the community college and then with my own experience has really taught me like different things about Latinx students and queer students you know like I um, still at times like just participating in initiatives that like involve them to move up in this academic world, um, they just can't do. They have different barriers that 
like prevent them from participating in, in different um, colleges and things like that. Uh, and not colleges, I'm sorry, different programs and, and resources and services that allow them to move further up in, in the scale. Um, I think specifically um, the support and has also made me aware that there isn't a lot of support. I think we are focused on keep, keeping it professional and in this world in HSIs and working with queer students and doc, it, it, it is personal. And sometimes the, this professional world of, but that Eurocentric showed us that this is the way we're supposed to be, isn't the way we're gonna connect with the students and they're not gonna show us and tell us what they're really struggling with, right? So just sharing our stories, even if it is hard because I don't have an affirming family, sharing some of our struggles with our students, that's gonna have them open up more to us and that's gonna really show us how we can serve them better and not what we think we can or they need or what we can provide, but really what they need, right? And I think something positive too um, is just community of folks of social justice and everybody having like like-minded morals and putting in the efforts to empower Latinx students to succeed in the academic world and, you know, breaking barriers. I think that's something positive that that brought me more awareness, but definitely like it's it's political out there and I think people are are focused on other things in themselves instead of moving these students forward to have our future bright. Ooh, retweet all of that. To know that you are working in higher ed and that a lot of y'all are going to go on to be professionals in higher ed and this is how y'all thinking, like our, the future is bright. You know, like I, I the criticality that y'all have is just like, mm, we need it, right? We need y'all leading us into, into the next uh, work that we're doing in higher ed. It needs to be much more critical. Um, so thank you all for that. As we start to try to wrap this conversation up, um, Dr. Dez, I wanted to know if you could talk to me a little bit about how this work works in tandem with some of the just larger initiatives of the California Community College System. That's something you know I've been thinking about a lot is like, how does HSI and servingness work in tandem with some of the mandates and policies that are coming down? Because um, the California Community College System, we know it is doing a lot of great work to move towards equity. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, um, this grant activity is under the Abriendo Caminos um, HSI grant, which has various projects, one in which is focused on the guided entry course redesign for math and English. And this is a, an alignment with the California Community College Guided Pathways Initiative. And I think it's a great example of how you know, there's a lot of initiatives that come from the California Community College system, um, but they're really race neutral and they don't come with a, 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 a pamphlet or a guideline. And, and so it is really on us to make sure that we're being, um, you know, not just equitable, but um, we're, we're critically conscious about how we're serving our most vulnerable populations and that we're really focused on racial equity. And so uh, I really feel like HSI projects are a great place to initiate these statewide initiatives with, uh, like I said, a more um, less race neutral or colorblind approach that really does focus on the uniqueness of an HSI, right? And I guess a great example is like PCC has implemented AB 705. So all students are placed into the college level English and math and that, that's been in placement for a while now. 
Um, but now we got to move into that direction of, okay, we've implemented this, but how is it affecting our students still? Um, yes, hooray, we, we, we did this, right? But how does this affect ESL students, right? That's the next question. Um, how does it affect students who have a math anxiety, right? And so now you're being placed in college level. So just because we've met that, that goal, um, we still need to dig. We still need to continue to dig. And I think HSI projects are a great place to really think critically about these statewide initiatives that are placed, but with no direction or guidelines. Um, and that's where Freedom Dream comes in. And so I am I love HSIs for the, the historical piece and the racial piece that they are. But I think it also, because there's a lot of hope in HSIs. Um, in the sense that it's a place of freedom dreaming to really truly um, think of ways that we can better serve our students beyond, you know, these initiatives that tend to be very, um, you know, sometimes meeting the status quo and not really moving forward to um, more racial equity uh, approaches. So, yeah. Boom, more retweeting. I think what you're you're giving us up my, my, like, professor brain starts turning on like policy, right? Like mandates are like, do this, right? And we want to see change immediately versus Title V grants are capacity building, right? Yes. That's that freedom dreaming where you're like, we're going to build long-term capacity to do this work, not just we want to see a change by next year or else you're not going to get funding or whatever the, the whatever the consequences, right? There's consequences that come with policy. So, uh, so thank you for giving us that, right? There are differences in these different, um, you know, approaches to, to change with, although we, we all want to see change and for good. All right. So final question. This is my favorite question. The name of the pod is a question in itself. And I love guests to just leave us as we exit the pod with your response when you hear Que pasa HSIs? Que pasa HSIs? Que pasa HSIs? Are you asking the students you're serving que pasa? Que necesitan? Que sienten? Que hacemos para servirles mejor? Um, how are we all, how are we as HSIs honoring the unique identities of the Latinx community? You know, do we all come from the same origin? Are some of us identifying as indigenous, queer, first generation? As student leaders and scholars, we, we acknowledge that Latinidad is not a monolith. And my understanding is that here in California, we identify as the majority of Mexican, but we can't assume that every single person that resides here comes from Mexico. So I end with, ¿Qué pasa HSIs? How are you honoring the diverse Latinx demographic? Uh, when I hear, ¿Qué pasa HSI? I, you know, I immediately think, um, <laughs> don't get it twisted, you know, not everyone is on board um, and some faculty, some tenured faculty uh, believe we should be solving their issues, doing their job, uh, but fail to recognize that they're the ones with the research experience and the job security. Um, and also, you know, uh, really just dissect what HSI means and, and beginning with that term Hispanic. You know, personally, uh, I don't identify as Hispanic. You know, Nixon did not name me. My mom named me Emmanuel. So uh, I think in order to um, solve these issues or to close these equity gaps, uh, you need to address people the way that they want to be addressed. Yeah, um, well, 
Thank you for having us. Uh, for me, when I hear que, que pase uh, well, I'm proud of the work that we have done so far, but let's keep the ball rolling uh, by not only institutionalized stu student advisory groups, uh, but by making the effort to uh, normalize our practices rather than a project, uh, you know, make it actual part of everyday, you know, student life as opposed to just, uh, this is something that happens every now and again. Um, so definitely, uh, I look forward to that. Thank you. Que pasa HSI, how are you honoring and centering student voices? They are our experts and I say you lean into them. Um, that's where you'll be able to do a lot of freedom dreaming because they are truly the experts. They're why we serve. Um, they are putting the S and serving us, right? This is who we serve, um, but yeah. Que pasa HSI, this is a shout out to all HSIs who are doing the work in centering our Latinx student leaders. If you are, we highly encourage you to collaborate, to connect, because um, one thing that has stuck with me is Emmanuel has always asked, how are we not only going to institutionalize this, but how do we branch out and make this statewide? So shout out to all the institutions that have student advisories that are including students in their HSI work. We encourage you to connect because we understand that there's number and powers, power and number, and we can definitely learn from each other. So. Dropping all the mics. I appreciate y'all coming in and doing exactly that. Uh, it, this is beautiful. It's been a beautiful conversation and we have loved having you here on Que Pasa HSIs.